TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go on this Monday evening, the 23rd of November. This is Scoop Podcast episode... 323 on this Thanksgiving week, although it certainly doesn't feel like Thanksgiving week. Heck, today was day number one in the Wolfson household of full-time distance learning. Let's just say I am incredibly grateful to be in the Joe Souchere Taj Mahal of Podcast Studios studio for at least a little bit. I'm not sure later this week will feel like any sort of vacation And it certainly will feel awkward not being around extended family and friends. Just a weird, weird 2020, but at least I can speak for my family. We have our health right now. I hope the same is true of you and your loved ones. I'll empty out my figurative notebook, then we'll get to a number of NBA conversations I've had in the last few days. In no particular order, although I can start... With the Wolves, they made Paul Millsap an offer. So they tried to get Paul Millsap. They would have loved to have Paul Millsap as their starting four. They tried. They made every effort. Half the league inquired on Millsap. Tough to beat out Denver. He's got the relationship there in Denver. Denver is on the cusp of of maybe getting to the conference finals and or winning the conference finals. They got to the conference finals. Can they overcome that next hurdle, but they are on the cusp. They are a really good team. He is, what, 36 years old, so it was a tough sell from the Wolves standpoint, but they certainly tried. They reached out on a number of other free agents, Tristan Thompson, although Tristan I don't think was ever going to happen when you consider his history, thinking about Carl Anthony Towns' current girlfriend. I just don't think it was going to happen, but they are in the business of talent acquisition. They thought that Tristan maybe could have helped them, but he wasn't ever coming here. But they reached out on a number of guys. They had interest in Jake Crowder. Was Jake Crowder ever coming here, realistically speaking? No. They have reached out on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, but at this point with 14 contracts, it doesn't look like Hollis-Jefferson will end up here. The Wolves, as of Monday afternoon, had not made Hollis Jefferson a contract offer. At this point, it looks like restricted free agent Jordan McLaughlin will eventually be back. He's got some league-wide interest, but I don't foresee an offer sheet coming anytime real soon. I can see him and the Wolves eventually working something out. You can never have too many point guards. Heck, we saw that last year with the Wolves. The Wolves really liked Jordan McLaughlin. He was here a good portion of the summer, so the Wolves would like Jordan McLaughlin back. So if he is back, that would be the 15th contract Then they're looking for a forward on a two-way. And you think about what the two-way contract will be this next year. It'll be a lot different. The two-way guys can spend a lot of time with the Wolves. So the Wolves are looking for some decent help at the two-way forward position. So they have Ashton Haggins, the former Kentucky guard, on one two-way contract. They want to add a forward with the other two-way contract. Saturday is the full guarantee day for Jared Vanderbilt at like 1.7 million. It's inevitable that the Wolves will exercise that particular option. I swapped messages with Jared Dudley and John Lohr, two guys that played with Ed Davis. John played with Ed in Memphis. Jared played with Ed in Brooklyn, both guys on background and on the record. Just they couldn't speak highly enough of Ed Davis. Whether he can contribute to the Wolves on the court, 
Remains to be seen. Helped Brooklyn a couple years ago. He's only 31. Didn't help Utah on the court last year. But I just heard so many good things about him, how selfless he is, that in terms of just a vet acquisition, somebody that can help mentor Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards, Ricky Rubio will help too. But that Ed Davis is an excellent locker room addition. The former Iowa State Cyclone, Lindell Wigginton, hopes to be back, but he was hopeful that he could land a two-way contract. But once they signed Hagens, they're not looking to add Wigginton on a two-way. So we'll wait and see if he's back on possibly an Exhibit 10. Ade Murky is in on an Exhibit 10. We'll get to him later in the podcast. Yeah, many, many conversations to get to. He played high school basketball at St. Croix Lutheran, then in the Summit League at the University of Denver. Nine NFL teams were at the Minnesota-Purdue game on Friday, including the Vikings. It's slow on the Twins, even on the Jake Odorizzi front. I saw Buster Olney had a note a couple weeks ago about the Twins being among four teams with heavy interest in Odorizzi. Yeah, the Twins would like Odorizzi back. Yeah, all things considered, Odorizzi wants to be back. But I'm telling you, it has been slow with the Twins on the Odorizzi front. It has been slow on many fronts. Nelly Cruz is waiting. There's no reason for Nelson Cruz to sign anytime soon until we get full clarity on whether the DH will be in the National League in 2021. The Gopher men's basketball team opens on Wednesday. I'm really happy for Eric Curry. Let's hope they can get through these final COVID tests on Monday. We saw Duke lose its opener. Arizona lose its opener. Tennessee lose its opener. Florida lose its opener. Baylor's got some COVID issues. I mean, there are COVID issues galore across college basketball. So let's hope the Gophers can play Wisconsin Green Bay on Wednesday at 6 o'clock. But super happy for Eric Curry, all those knee issues he's dealt with. He is cleared to go. Eric Curry should get some minutes on Wednesday night. You think about the starting lineup of Marcus Carr, Gabe Kausher, Booth Gotch, Brandon Johnson, Liam Robbins. That team should be pretty good. The Big Ten is really deep, but I keep hearing a lot of good things about Liam Robbins, that he's got NBA talent. We know that Booth Gotch had interviews in the summer with the Warriors and the Magic, so he is at least on the radar of some NBA teams. Marcus Carr has transformed his body. I spent some time in the gym over the summer with Gabe Kausher. He looks good. Hopefully the shooting numbers are back to how he shot his freshman year. So they have a chance. Brandon Johnson, grad transfer. Hey, rebound, defend, be a leader. So, yeah, they have a chance. Jamal Mashburn Jr. off the bench. Isaiah Enan off the bench. Trey Williams off the bench. The Gophers can be pretty good this year. But the Big Ten, I'm telling you, is so darn loaded. It is so deep that the Gophers could finish 7th or 8th in the Big Ten and still be a legitimate NCAA tournament team. There's really nothing else that is super pressing that I need to say right now. So let me get to my conversations. Otherwise, this podcast will go like two and a half hours. So if I have anything that is super urgent, I'll put it on Twitter, D Wolfson KSTP. Shameless plug for my Twitter, D Wolfson KSTP. But otherwise, let's get to some conversations I've had in the last few days. Let me start with Ryan McDonough, former Suns. General manager, worked in the Boston Celtics front office for a number of years. I picked his brain on the Wolves' happenings the last few days. Ryan, always appreciate your time. Before we get to some individuals, how about just a 30,000-foot view, big-picture look at 
at what the Wolves did the last four days. The Wolves, like many teams, were were incredibly busy. They were one of the more active teams in the league, Darren. Uh, I think that was somewhat born out of necessity. Uh, anytime you finish last in your conference and have one of the worst records in the league and pick number one like the Timberwolves did, you obviously want to upgrade your roster, especially in what's looking, again, like a loaded Western Conference. Uh, you know, So they tried to upgrade their team uh, starting on draft night uh, with Anthony Edwards, uh, the trade for Leandro Balmaro, uh, a guy who I like, plays for FC Barcelona. Uh, looks like he's going to stay overseas and continue to play, Darren. Um, watching the film on him, he's a bigger playmaking wing. Obviously, your viewers and listeners in Minnesota know Edwards very well at this point, uh, the shooting guard out of Georgia who was number one pick and uh, his strengths and weaknesses. But yeah, so after the draft, they continue to stay aggressive. Um, now, I think to some extent, Darren, the decision to re-sign Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez was made when they traded for those guys. Uh, usually, you don't give up an asset, especially a first-round pick, to trade for guys with only a few months left in their contract if you're planning on letting those guys go. Um, but to the credit of Gershon Rosas and the guys in the front office of Minnesota, they did not play the restricted free agent game. They did not wait to see if those guys got an offer sheet and whether they wanted a match. Uh, it seems like they are committed uh, to Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. They gave them long-term contracts. And obviously, from the team perspective, you hope those guys live up to the deals they just signed. On the Beasley deal, it's framed as a four-year deal for $60 million, but that fourth year is a team option. So to me, I look at it as three years, approximately, what, 42, 43 million. I think they they had some fear that the Knicks were going to extend an offer sheet, Ryan. I'm not convinced of that. The Bucks apparently kicked the tires also on Beasley. But but how do you look at that Beasley contract? If, if just looking at it as a three-year deal for 42 million, to me, I think his agent did a pretty darn good job. His agent did a very good job, especially with the legal concerns. Now, obviously, nobody knows more about his legal situation uh, than Gershon Rosas and Ryan Saunders and the coaches in front office and ownership in Minnesota. So they're comfortable enough, you know, to give him a three-year deal at a minimum. Let's say, like you said, it's forty-two million in that range, and could be a four-year, sixty-million-dollar deal. Uh, so that that team option last year, um, you know, that that's kind of why you might overpay a little bit, Darren, to the extent that if the kid hits it and turns into a pretty good player, then that's an easy decision for the team. You opt in and that's a good value four years from now. If not, you cut your losses. It's a three-year deal uh, to the extent that you maintain his trade value. That's also something that's appealing to other teams. Um, you know, Usually for those level contracts, when you're talking deals in the $60 million range, it's a player option or no options either way. This gives the team more control where it can be a three- or four-year deal, whether that's Minnesota or if he does eventually end up elsewhere in a trade. Um, and then, you know, Hernan Gomez, another guy that they were, uh, you know, aggressive in getting last year at the deadline and then the same deal um, with with Beasley. Um, you know, I, I just think they looked at the market, Darren. They looked at uh, a below average free agent class and they also looked at, again, the team finishing last in the Western Conference. They needed a boost and said, okay, with our limited financial flexibility, our best option is to re-sign our own free agents. Uh, we want contracts that we think are fair, that we can control and not be reliant on whether another team does or does not offer an offer sheet, uh, Darren, which is what uh, the Sacramento Kings, the position the Kings are in right now, because um, you know they got an offer sheet uh, that, that's not really desirable. Atlanta did that on purpose uh, with trade kickers and and opt outs and things like player options and things like that. Um, that is what the Atlanta Hawks did to Bogdan Bogdanovich, and that is what Gershon Rosas and the Timberwolves front office prevented from happening here with either Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez. Quickly, I mean the Kings have to match that offer sheet, don't they, Ryan? You can't just let Bogdanovich go and not get anything in return even if it it you know ruffles some feathers with buddy healed maybe maybe the new front office there in sacramento doesn't love bogdanovich are you with me or am i nuts to suggest that that the kings absolutely have to match that offer sheet 
Well, I'm probably biased uh, for the player, Darren, because we drafted Bogdan Bogdanovich when I was GM of the Phoenix Suns with the 27th pick in the 2014 draft. Uh, he's a very good player, played well overseas. Uh, we had interest in bringing him to Phoenix after two years. And then the issue was his team lost a heartbreaking game in 2016, the EuroLeague Championship, Darren. So his, his coach, uh, Zelko Bradovic, one of the European legends, convinced him to stay in Europe. And that didn't quite fit our timeline, especially with our young star uh, shooting guard, Devin Booker, already in place on the roster. So, so we put him in a trade. Uh, wasn't a great deal for us. It was a very good deal for Sacramento. So I like the player. He's played well there. Um, yeah, I personally, I, I would match if I were the Sacramento Kings. Uh, however, you know, they, they they had the much uh, discussed sign and trade that was talked about and then fell apart with Milwaukee, Darren, that started last week as a 15 plus year executive uh, and, and somebody who now broadcasts. I was wondering, well, if the league is serious about tampering and free agency doesn't start till Friday, then how late Monday night did two teams agree to a sign and trade with a free agent? Uh, obviously, I wasn't the only one with those concerns and objections. Uh, the league looked into it as well. Uh, so Bogdanovich, yeah, he's not going to be a Milwaukee buck. He either ends up in Atlanta or Sacramento. And again, if I were an executive with the Kings, I would match. But Darren, it's not my team. It's not my money. And as always, it's always easier to say what somebody else should do than actually making that decision yourself. What's the free agent process like? Like, how crazy does it get? Like, you know, you clearly win some, lose some. Like, I was told the Wolves made Paul Millsap an offer. I think half the league had interest in Millsap. I'm sure he had numerous offers to pick from. He ends up back in Denver, I think, from the Wolves' standpoint. That was going to be hard to beat out, you know, just the appeal of, of going back to Denver. So that's a free agent they missed out on. But just how crazy is the is the free agent process when everything is happening so fast? It's hard to keep track with all of it, Darren. And as you mentioned, Millsap's a guy who had a lot of interest around the league uh, in addition to Minnesota and obviously Denver, where he's played for the last three years and just agreed to re-sign. Uh, the Boston Celtics had interest as well. They ended up uh, signing Tristan Thompson. but uh, And there were a number of other teams. I mean, look, when, when Paul Millsap, he doesn't put up huge numbers, especially as a Denver Nugget, um, but he's one of the more impactful defenders in the league still in his mid-30s. Uh, when you talk to the front office staff and coaches in Denver, uh, they say, look, when he's on the court defensively, we're a much better a much different team than when he's off the court. So especially after Denver lost two other guys in the front court uh, in Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumley, uh, both of whom signed with the Detroit Pistons, which uh, surprised me to some extent, uh, they had to re-sign uh, Millsap. Uh, but to answer your question more generally, Darren, free agency is very tough as an executive. I imagine it is as an agent or player as well, um, because there's really no time limit. To contrast it with the draft, uh, you know when the draft's going to happen, you know when it starts and when it ends. Uh, trade deadline to some extent is the same way. You know the bulk of the activity is going to be in the two or three days. Uh, before the deadline up until the deadline and then after the time passes it's over uh, free agency Darren there's no uh, there is a start date or an alleged start date when you're not supposed to start until then uh, but but there is no back end of it and so it can go on and on and on and as an executive as you can imagine that's very stressful and hard to manage uh, especially when you have an owner uh, fans your coaching staff and your players wondering what is going to happen are we going to resign this guy or is he going to end up somewhere else a little bit more on Hernan Gomez three years 21 million but the third year is a team option. I think you're right, Ryan. I mean, they gave up a first-round pick back in February to acquire those guys. Like, I think the plan always was to bring those guys back. So, I guess in the case of Hernan Gomez, if you had to overpay a little bit, I guess the Wolves can claim a victory with, with having that team option in the third year. 
Those team options are valuable, Darren. I mean, th that gives you control of the situation. Uh, like I said with Beasley, this is one year shorter, but after two years, if it's not working out with Hernan Gomez, uh, you can decline the option and then let him leave as a free agent or to the extent that uh, that contract is more appealing in a trade to another team. Uh, and then if he is good, you have him under contract for three years. So, so that's pretty clear to me, Darren, uh, as a 15-plus year executive between the Celtics and Suns front offices, what the Timberwolves did. They said, like, we will overpay a little bit year over year, but to have that control. And that control is very valuable, especially for a team like Minnesota who's trying to build something special uh, behind Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and now Anthony Edwards. Uh, they want that control. They want that flexibility. And Gershon Rosas and his staff uh, clearly thought that, you know, paying maybe a little bit of a premium in the short term over the next two or three years was worth having the contractual con uh, control and flexibility going forward uh, as they try to improve their team over the next two or three years. Ryan, are you surprised that going back to, to late Wednesday night, Rosas told us that that he talked to, to 10 teams. I mean, he had some offers on the table for that first pick. Ultimately, you know, doesn't make a move, ends up staying there. One takes Anthony Edwards. But are you surprised that ultimately there, there wasn't a match there, that the Wolves couldn't find a match among, among those 10 teams that had interest in the number one pick? It's hard to say, Darren, because obviously I don't know what the specific options were. Um, what I'm fairly certain the calculation was for Gershon Rosas in the front office in Minnesota was uh, they had different thresholds in terms of how far they were willing to drop down and what they were willing to get in return. And ultimately, it seems pretty clear to me that uh, those you know thresholds and parameters were not met as far as, yeah, I'm sure there were options to drop down. But they said, hey, look, if we drop down to pick X, that puts us in a different tier of players and coming down from one to whatever pick it is, you know, mid lottery, late lottery. We're not comfortable with that because we think Anthony Edwards is the best prospect in this draft. And we think the gap between him and the guy we could get, uh, let's say hypothetically, it is in the mid to late lottery is significant. And the assets offered in addition uh, to, you know, to drop down in addition to the mid to late lottery pick is not worth it. So I think that's how the conversation went. Um, ultimately, you know, we'll see how it pans out. Edwards uh, has a lot of talent. Uh, you know, teams love his body. They love his athleticism. They love his shooting strength. Uh, you know, there's some concerns about the approach and the lack of consistency at Georgia, uh, but nobody I've talked to around the league, uh, Darren, questions the talent. And now it'll be on Ryan Saunders and his staff in Minnesota uh, to develop that talent and figure out how he fits alongside Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and these two free agents we've been talking about, Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Ryan, where do you stand on, on the Wolves bringing back Ricky Rubio? Now, this front office, going back two summers, summer of 2019, was prepared to chase. Ricky. So I knew then that this front office really liked Ricky. You can speak better than I can about, about his year last year with the Phoenix Suns, but it looks to me like he had a good year, just one of those deals where, where Phoenix was able to bring in Chris Paul, but I don't think they were openly shopping Rubio. But like when you look at the Wolves roster, do you feel like, you know, the allocation of money bringing in Ricky two years left in his contract and really good money was, was the way to go? Well, Rubio played very well here as a Phoenix Sun last year. He really helped Evan Booker and DeAndre Ayton, uh, the two young Sun stars, develop. Uh, and so he had a good year. But as you mentioned, the Suns had the ability to get um, one of the best point guards of all time and Chris Paul, who was a second-team All-NBA player and an All-Star a year ago and uh, led OKC to a finish that I don't think any of us, uh, certainly not uh, myself, you know, anticipated before the season with them being in the 4-5 matchup in the Western Conference and taking Houston to seven games. Um, so that, that was the deal from Phoenix's perspective, uh, you know, 
they, they, they didn't want uh, Rubio to be a backup. I don't think he would have been happy, you know, being a backup to Chris Paul. And he had to be in the deal uh, from a positional, especially from a financial perspective. Uh, but again, he, he played well in a son's uniform. And, and Darren, you and your viewers and listeners in the state of Minnesota know as well as anybody, the history uh, with the Saunders family, going back to Ricky playing for Ryan's dad, Flip Saunders, uh, his history as a Timberwolf, um, you know, to the extent that Minnesota does have some challenges as far as free agent recruitment and things like that, as far as, you know, how desirable the franchise is viewed around the league. They do not have those concerns with Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio has played there. Uh, he knows what the team is. He knows what the franchise is. He's ex- he was excited about going back there from everything I've heard and read. Um, so so that's, that's a positive. And I also think it'll help D'Angelo Russell, uh, Darren. I know that may sound a little counterintuitive, but I think D'Angelo is at his best when he's playing alongside other talented players uh, where he's not, it, you know, the ball doesn't stagnate. He's not as isolation heavy as he tends to be on lesser talented teams uh, so I, I think uh, when he plays off the ball alongside Rubio he'll get good shots and then what the Timberwolves did was they'll always have a high level playmaker assuming Rubio and, and Russell are healthy they always have one high level playmaker on the court at all times which would certainly help their offensive system how do you quantify Ryan veteran leadership you know just an influence in the locker room off the court you know in terms of of Rubio maybe being able to help a Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards. You bring in Ed Davis, you know, somebody who can help Carl Anthony Towns. Heck, Ed can help Beasley and Edwards as well. It's important, especially for Anthony Edwards, you know, number one pick, uh, young, talented, but seemingly impressionable. You know, there's some uh, maturity, uh, maturing to do there, Darren. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to, to pile on the kid or pick on him, but uh, the quotes he had, you know, a day or two before the draft were, I think, regrettable, how he, he loves playing football. And if he could walk away from basketball, uh, as you know, as a franchise, that's not what you want to hear. At the same time, it's not a huge deal. I think it's easy for, um, you know, Gershon Rosas, Ryan Sand- Saunders, or in particular, one of those veterans uh, who you just mentioned, Ricky Rubio, Ed Davis, to say, you know, come here, young man, sit down next to me, son. Let me tell you uh, how you could have answered that question better or differently next time. And what the fans, the media, and your teammates want to hear from you. So I think, uh, yeah, there, there are certain benefits to that. Um, you know, Minnesota does have uh, a young roster. It, it, it is, you know, relatively talented. We'll see how it all fits together. Um, but they needed some veteran leadership and experience. Uh, but Darren, from my experience in 15 plus years in front offices, the guys' voices carry a lot more weight if they can actually play. So Ricky Rubio can still play rather than signing uh, a minimum veteran guy, even if he's a great locker room guy and has a great reputation. But if he's at the end of your bench and not playing, that voice doesn't carry as much weight in the locker room. What about Ed Davis? Can he still play? He wasn't used very much in in Utah last year. It is an expiring contract. I mean, that could be at the trade deadline, maybe an appealing trade piece. You know, thinking about Rosas. I mean, this front office is – is always looking to make moves. So it's not like, you know, the roster we see in late December is going to be the roster we see, say, in mid-March. So, I mean, Ed Davis could be could be an appealing trade chip. But any sense that Ed Davis can, can help them a little bit on the court? I don't know. And that, that's not a cop-out, Darren. It's because I've watched Ed Davis play, obviously, throughout his entire career. But over the last two years, I thought he looked terrific in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I thought he played a very good role in Brooklyn. Uh, they went out and signed DeAnth- uh, DeAndre Jordan, excuse me, last offseason. That made Davis expendable. So he signed with the Utah Jazz, you know, talented franchise, a playoff team in the Western Conference. And for whatever reason, it wasn't a good fit. He, he didn't play nearly as well in Utah. In fact, uh, he got surpassed by Tony Bradley, uh, their young big, who they recently traded. I think Bradley's now in Detroit, if I can uh, keep track of these 100 transactions that happened over the weekend. Uh, but but he was beat out, you know, by a young, unproven 
proven player uh, in Utah behind Rudy Gobert. So to answer your question, Darren, I, I don't know. He's young enough. He's talented enough where he still should have some gas left in the tank. If you watched him two years ago in Brooklyn, say absolutely. It's a great move for the Timberwolves. Uh, if you watched him last year in Utah, he said, I don't know. But as you mentioned, it's it's a one-year contract. Uh, there's not a lot of risk there. And to the extent that everything will be condensed this year with a 72-game uh, schedule. Uh, because keep in mind, Darren, once the season starts on December 22nd, there's not going to be very long from opening night until the trade deadline, whatever that is in February, March. Um, so that is a tradable contract. If he plays well and your team plays well, you keep him and he plays a year out. Maybe there's a future for Davis in Minnesota beyond the one-year contract. If he doesn't play well, as you mentioned, he's a $5 million trade ship, which is, can be very important in the transactional game. How do you look at late first round, you know, second round, you know, type lottery picks like to me, it's it's Jaden McDaniels. When I say lottery picks, more like a lottery ticket. That that he was like a top ten high school kid. His one year at Washington was was a roller coaster. But figuring, you know, they end up making that transaction. He ended up going what pick twenty eight. That that at pick twenty eight, why not roll the dice, right? A am I wrong in in that regard? That that you're not looking for you know positional fit or anything like that. That at pick twenty eight, why not roll the dice on on a kid like Jaden McDaniels? If you look at the history of the draft, Aaron, the guys picked in that range, the 25 to 30 range, especially the closer you get to 30, have a very low probability of hitting. And I bring that up not to pick on Jaden McDaniels because um, I'm, you know, I'm explaining the thought process with the Timberwolves is, look, they have a guy, as you mentioned, was a top 10 high school talent. Uh, he's got some length. He's got some athleticism. His body has a long ways to go. He's you know skinny and relatively weak, so it's probably going to take some time. But uh, they just felt the talent at that standpoint in the draft, that point in the draft, uh, was too tantalizing to pass up uh, and, and they're going to be patient with them. They need to be patient with them. Um, you know, th that's a low salary slot, Darren, from a cap finances perspective. So uh, what they do is Jane McDaniels now has two years guaranteed, but they have options. Uh, if they pick up the option for year three, they have an option for year four. And then if they pick that up, he's a restricted free agent. So I bring it up because it's a home run swing for sure. Uh, my guess is there's probably not going to be a middle ground with Jade McDaniels. I think it's either going to be a, a grand slam or a strikeout. You know, he's that kind of uh, upside downside guy, uh, but he does have a lot of talent. And uh, I'm fairly certain that Rosas and the group in Minnesota said at the end of the day, um, he has a lot more potential and upside than anybody else who's still on the board at this point. So it's our job if we take him to develop him. And now they'll turn that over to Ryan Saunders and his staff to try to maximize a talented young man. Uh, but Timberwolves fans, it's going to take some time, especially to develop that body to compete at an NBA level. The core of, of the Wolves roster is in place. We'll see another move or two. I think they end up bringing back restricted free agent Jordan McLaughlin. I think they end up signing some forward to a two-way contract, but but the, the main core is in place. So as you look at the Wolves roster, as you look at the landscape of the Western Conference, is it realistic to think that that they could maybe aim for the ninth or tenth seed, you know, get into that into that play-in tournament? I mean, I'm just looking at it, Ryan. Oklahoma City comes out of the top eight from last year. Maybe Houston does too, but Phoenix likely jumps up. Golden State, even minus Clay, I think jumps up. Memphis is certainly capable of, of jumping up. Maybe San Antonio, maybe New Orleans. So like pecking order wise, where do you think the Wolves stack? Well, the Western Conference is loaded and that's the hard part about it, uh, Darren. Clearly, Minnesota has improved their team in the roster. 
but so is everybody else. As I look at the Western Conference, the other 14 teams have loaded up. Uh, but you bring up a great point that not enough people are talking about. You do not need to get into the top eight anymore to make the playoffs. You need to get into the top 10. And you're talking to a guy who was GM of the Phoenix Suns where my first two years before we went through a full-blown rebuild, we finished ninth and 10th in the West. The year we finished ninth, Darren, in 2014, we won 48 games, which wasn't good enough. And I bring it up because uh, this is a fantastic change by the league. It's something I've been advocating for for a long time uh, to the extent that I think it keeps the teams, even the teams that are in 13, 14, maybe 15th place in the conference, uh, you know, in February and March, Darren, it keeps them playing for something, right? You might not be able to get to eighth, especially in the Western Conference. A lot of years on an 82-game calendar takes close to 50 wins to get in the playoffs, but you can usually touch 10th unless, you're, you know, you have a horrible year and everything goes wrong. You can usually get to 10th or stay within striking distance of 10th. So I think that should be the goal for Minnesota. So look, um, you know, we'd love to be in the top six, really. That, that's what solidifies your playoff spot now is under the new form as the top six. Um, but if we're in that seven to 10 range, or if we can even touch 10th, that would be a great year for us. Let's try to get into that play-in scenario with a young team and see what happens. Uh, I think that is a realistic goal, um, but a lot will need to go right for Minnesota. Um, they may need some luck because as I look up and down the Western Conference, um, Darren, I don't see any bad teams. I see about five or six in the Eastern Conference, and I see zero in the West. What's the next domino that you're curious to see fall? I mean, I suppose the best free agent on the board is, I don't know, is it Hassan Whiteside? Like, does does Atlanta trade John Collins? Like, I don't know. What's what's to you maybe the next domino that we see fall that that will really pique our interest? Yeah, the top two free agents uh, on on my board on just about everybody's boards are actually still available. Uh, Anthony Davis, you know, will resign with the Lakers. That's a contract length thing. I, I my prediction would be a two plus one there, Darren. Where if he signs a three year deal with an opt out after two, he gets into the ten year of service range and then can get. 35% max deal two from years from now and I uh, get you know more money then and retain his flexibility. Uh, and then also uh, in New Orleans, Brandon Ingram, I think he'll resign there on a five-year max deal or something close to that. Uh, so those are the obvious ones. Uh, the thing I'm, I'm watching, honestly, that overshadows all of it. Uh, you mentioned Hassan Whiteside and all that. Uh, with all due respect to Hassan, that's small potatoes, Darren. I'm watching uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and I'm watching Giannis and saying, um, why hasn't he signed the extension yet? You know, we saw the deal fall through with Bogdan Bogdanovich. We, we, we discussed that briefly. Um, you know, so they got Drew Holiday. They gave up a boatload of draft picks and pick swaps in addition to Eric Bledsoe and George Hill to get Holiday. Keep in mind, Holiday has the ability to opt out after next year and become uh, an unrestricted free agent in 2021. Um, so if I'm Milwaukee, I'm sitting there watching Giannis saying, uh, you know, does he need a pen or, you know, what, what's the delay? He is now today, Darren, as we record the show, eligible to sign. He can sign that five-year Supermax extension uh, anytime up until December 21, which is the day before opening night. Uh, so it'll be a long, uh, anxious month, I think, in Milwaukee and in the state of Wisconsin, watching Giannis, seeing whether he signs the extension, which is obviously what all Bucks fans want, or if he decides to pass on it and play this year out and hit unrestricted free agency next summer. Did the Lakers, Clippers, and Blazers all get better, maybe even significantly better? Like, I love the Robert Covington move. Like, I like getting Harry Giles for the minimum if you're Portland. I think Serge Ibaka was an excellent addition for, for the Clippers. I like him better than Harrell with, with that roster. Then you think about the Lakers with Gasol, with Schroeder. I mean, I think all three of those teams got, you could argue, significantly better. 
Yeah, I think the Lakers and Blazers did for sure. I, I like Portland's offseason as much as any, uh, maybe better than any, when, when you net-net all the moves combined. Uh, Darren, you know, you mentioned the trade for uh, Robert Covington. Uh, they re-signed Carmelo Anthony. They re-signed uh, Rodney Hood. Uh, they, they traded for Ennis Cantor um, at, at a low-cost, low minimum deal. They, they took a flyer on Harry Giles, so I thought played well in Spurs for Sacramento. So uh, for me, they're, they're the offseason winner, A-plus, um, in terms of, you know, improving their team. But in terms of the best team, uh, I think that's still in LA and that's still with Lakers with what they did uh, trading for Dennis Schroeder uh, signing Montrez Harrell uh, signing Wes Matthews uh, they, they moved out JaVel McGee's contract yesterday to create more room and flexibility under the hard cap uh, so this morning they just agreed to re-sign Markeith Morris um, so a lot of teams upgraded the roster uh, but the Lakers had clearly the best team in the Western Conference in the regular season they were by far the best team in the Orlando bubble and I think they're even better uh, this year Darren losing Rondo and some other guys will hurt a little bit uh, but for me the Lakers are the pick again, to win the championship in 2021, which would obviously be a repeat for one of the NBA's storied franchises. On that, I'll leave you with this, Ryan. What's what's your confidence level that, that the NBA will be okay? I mean, presumably there will be some COVID hiccups, but but they'll be able to get through this thing. Like even today, we're talking here on Monday afternoon. I mean, there's college basketball cancellations galore, right? College basketball is not in a bubble. The Baltimore Ravens have some have some COVID-positive tests this morning, so that Thursday game, that Thanksgiving game against the Steelers, there's some there's some uncertainty there. They might be okay, but still positive test, positive test throughout the NFL. Now that the NBA is is no longer in the so-called bubble, what's your confidence level that that we'll be able to get through an NBA season? I have concerns, Darren. I mean, I think and hope the league will figure it out. Obviously, uh, everybody uh, watching and listening to your show and around the country is hoping the vaccine comes as soon as possible and it's 90 plus percent effective as the uh, drug companies are are advertising. That would be great. Uh, but yeah, in, in the short term, uh, Darren, there are a lot of hiccups, a lot of pratfalls that could happen along the way. Uh, look, everybody I talk to in the Orlando bubble, and I know you talk to a lot of the same people, uh, whether it's player, coach, executive, they did not like being there. They did not like doing it um, and being away from their family. And I think anybody understands that, especially those of us uh, like you and I with families. Uh, now, that being said, it worked. It was effective. So that was the trade-off. It seemed like there wasn't an appetite to do that again. I understand that. I get it. Uh, but at the same time, Darren, uh, there were zero positive COVID tests. So I, I think, unfortunately, with the way the virus is, seems to be spreading, uh, we'd be naive to sit here and say, okay, the NBA is going to play in arenas uh, with limited fans or even without fans, uh, and the players and teams are going to travel across the country. Now, they're going to take a ton of precautions. The league does a great job looking at all that, but I think we'd be naive to say uh, there won't be probably a number of COVID cases or maybe an outbreak that impacts specific teams. So the league is going to need to be flexible. They're going to need to pivot. Uh, and that is why I think, Darren, they built in that March break. They call it the All-Star break, but there's no All-Star game this year, as far as I can tell, to the schedule. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you, you see some makeup games in there. And I also thought it was smart that they're only going to release about the first half of the schedule over the next couple of weeks. And then we will wait and see what happens on the second half. So uh, it, it's exciting, but at the same time, uh, there are a number of hurdles. And uh, I think at some point we will have COVID cases. I just hope they're not significant to impact, you know, the players, uh, the league, or in particular, the health of the individuals for anybody who were to catch this virus. Happy belated birthday. Did you have a good 40th birthday? For, 41 now. I'm getting up there. 41, Wiki okay. Yeah, Wikipedia has it wrong. And I think it's probably a common scene. But yeah, I appreciate it, Darren. Uh, the, it wasn't very nice of the NBA to schedule the draft two days before my birthday, then free agency. Uh, you know, usually it's relatively quiet in mid-November, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving. Remind people where they can find you, including you're now pretty aggressive on Twitter, which is fantastic. 
Yeah, I'm on Twitter at McDNBA. I break down a lot of the transactional aspect of it, including, you know, player analysis, team analysis and all that. Um, Darren, we also we're doing a show now that's uh, kind of a special edition of the Radio.com NBA show. Uh, Me and Keith Smith, we just recorded one this morning. It'll be posted soon. Basically, we go through the entire league. Uh, We we did a draft show last week that you were gracious enough to join. We're doing the same thing again uh, on Radio.com or follow my Twitter at McDNBA. Uh, We're going to break down the entire league starting at the top from an offseason perspective. Uh, So we appreciate you. Uh, giving us the plug. And again, thanks for joining us on the draft show last Wednesday. You got it, Ryan. Keep up the good work and I'll stay in touch. Okay. Thanks, Darren. Former Suns general manager, Ryan McDonough, really good guy. Check him out on Twitter. I brought up Malik Beasley with Ryan. I'll bring up Malik with Bobby Marks here in just a second. Malik made his first court appearance earlier today on Monday afternoon, the 23rd of November. He appeared via zoom It was a very routine court hearing. There's another court hearing set for December 17th. A reminder, he's got two really, really good attorneys. I don't see him serving any sort of jail time. Now, will the NBA hand down some sort of suspension? Yeah, that absolutely could happen. But the Wolves have the book on Malik. They have their own security team. They felt comfortable paying him millions upon millions of dollars. That should tell us all we need to know about the Malik Beasley legal situation. All right, let me now get to the aforementioned conversation with Bobby Marks, ESPN analyst, former Nets assistant general manager. Bobby, let me start with with a couple news of the day items. So Dario Saric re-signs with the Suns, three years, 27 million. I wonder in hindsight, if Gerson Rosas regrets the trade, I guess it would be what, two summers ago, gives up 11 and Sarich to get the six, takes Jarrett Culver. Culver doesn't have a good rookie year. There might still be something salvageable there, but but there's a lot, you know, that, that still needs to take place with Culver for, for a lot of us to say, okay, bright future. Sarich, when looking at this current Wolves roster, he would slot in pretty nicely. I just think Rosas thought that re-signing Sarich would take more than $9 million a year. But do you think in hindsight there's some regret there? Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit, I don't, you know, we all couldn't have predicted a pandemic, right? And then the market to, to shrink. And you're right, I think I think where we looked at Sarich um, a year ago um, was that he was probably like a 14 to $16 million player um, based off what he had done in Philly, restricted free agency, who's going to have cap space. You know, this the number was supposed to be more than 109. And then when the market shrinks, like it has, um, you know, this, this offseason – that $15 million number now all of a sudden becomes nine. And I think if you had a do-over, probably, yeah, I think because you would have had probably Sarge and who knows what they would have picked at 11. Even, you know, Cam Johnson has turned out to be a, a nice player, um, you know, in, in Phoenix here. Uh, and, we, and we're still, the jury's a little bit out on, on Culver. And you're right, I think it fits a need, right? Like the, the Heron Gomez signing was like, whew, you know, like, if, if he wasn't, and I didn't, I didn't see a team coming in with an, with an offer sheet. If he wasn't um, back, then we're really looking at, you know, the bare bones as far as, um, you know, at, at the, you know, at the four position along cat alongside cat. I think if they had stayed at 11, they really liked the kid that ended up in new Orleans from Virginia tech, Alexander Walker. Yeah. They liked the kid that ended up in Detroit doom boy, Tyler hero would not have been their pick. I have that on excellent authority. They didn't mind him. They had him in for a workout. They had like a low first round, Great on him, but but it would not have been Tyler Hero. The other the other note from today. So Malik Beasley made his first court appearance today, Bobby. 
Yep. It was via Zoom. It was very routine. His next court appearance will be December 17th. How this thing shakes out, like, can you see a scenario where the NBA suspends him? I mean, he's got two really good lawyers. I don't think he's – he's not – he doesn't need to worry about jail time or anything crazy no. like that. But can you see a scenario where the NBA says, Malik, you need to serve this, you know, X game suspension? Yeah, even if he uh, – if the case is dismissed, that doesn't mean he's, you know, um, off Scott clear with the NBA. You know, league, uh, the security will investigate fully and see where it goes. The only way he would really, um, you know, have nothing is if it went to trial and he was found innocent. So – um, I think we'll find out a lot more over the next, you know, month or two as far as what direction we're going to go here with, uh, with the league. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some type of suspension down the road here. But yeah, as you say, you know, um, innocent until proven guilty. Let's see, uh, let's see what happens. But I'm, I'm sure the league is is going if they have not already started to investigate, they will have a, a careful eye on this whole thing. What do you think of the Beasley contract? Four years, 60, but the fourth year is a team yeah. option. So you could look at it as three years, approximately 42 million. What do you think of that contract? Yeah, it's like it's about three or four million more than what the, um, the mid level is. Um, you know, it's, um, you know, at that, I, I have it in at 13.4 right now. I mean, it could be, we'll see how they, they structure it. I like that. Um, the, that fourth year is a, uh, is a team option. So it protect, protects you on the back end. So really it's a, you know, I guess, a, um, what three for 44, three for 45 type, uh, contract. Um, as we've talked about, you know, he turned down 10 million. So it gets a little bit of a, an increase. So I'm, I'm fine with it. You know, I think, uh, I don't know if you would have got that in the market because of, you know, when you look at Atlanta, I don't see Charlotte, um, in New York. Uh, teams like that. I didn't, so you're kind of bidding against yourself, but on the other end, you have, you have leverage in it until that player comes in and says, you know what, I'm going to sign the qualifying offer. And then you don't have that leverage again. So it's, um, it's different than Tate, you know, like these, these other rookie extension guys that like um, Ben Simmons a year ago and Jamal Murray and all these other guys where you'd basically, you know what their price tag is, right? these become a little more challenging because what is the price tag for a guy you got at the deadline and played extremely well, had some court off court incidents. And is there a, is there a compromise there? So I am, uh, I'm fine with it. I think if, of course, if the legal stuff shakes out and is okay, it's always, a, it's a tradable contract down the road, if that's what you want. But um, I think we're going to see it in with um, Bogdanovic in um, with Atlanta, you know, it's hard not to match an offer sheet unless it's ridiculous because at the end of the day, you could always trade the player. You don't, if you don't match it, then you're just basically staring at your mid-level exception to replace it. So use it as a tradable asset, have them come in, play well, hopefully Anthony, you know, Edwards takes off here and then makes that Malik a little more expendable, maybe down the road. And, and, and you have that tradable asset. I mean, I was already thinking ahead to like Malik Beasley for Aaron Gordon. Now maybe you need to add something to that, but, but I wonder if, and maybe it's a different power forward, but but if that's the end goal here, that, that you eventually do move Malik Beasley. Yeah, I mean, if you if you didn't sign Malik, then it's it's nobody for Aaron Gordon or a power forward, right? So that's when, that's kind of the next phase as far as they'll you know they'll bring. I mean, I can't believe we're starting training camp next week. Um, we'll bring we'll start with camp. We'll get going in uh, at the end of December. Let's see what roster we have. Uh, I think Beasley's got a March third uh, uh, restriction date on him because of his. Uh, he got a little bit of an increase there, so 
you know, you've got a, you know, a three month window to kind of evaluate this, uh, this group here. On the Hernan Gomez contract, three years, 21, but the third year is a team option. So you can really look at it as what, two years, 14 ish million. Are you, are you okay with that? That, that seems yeah. a bit high, but not significantly high. Not terrible. I mean, it's comparable to um, a little bit more of what the tax mid level would be. You know, tax mid level starts at five, seven. I think he, if he was an unrestricted free agent, he would have, he would have probably definitely got that, you know, 6 million uh, on the market. So I'm, I'm fine with, um, I'm fine with that. I think what you learn is you need those, you know, those kind of contracts, those in-between contracts, you know, like good example, Boston has a lot of low salaries and then they have really high salaries. They don't have those in-between seven, $8 million guys that eventually if you're going to make a deal, that you, I mean, they have Marcus Smart, but you know, Mark, it's hard for me to part ways with Marcus Smart. But I'm I'm uh, I'm fine with it as 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 you said. There's a you know a team option on year three. I'm uh, I'm good with that number. And and they're they're you know they're where do I have them? About a couple million dollars below the luxury tax. I knew that Evans and Spellman were going to get you know they were you know they if they had started training camp, <laughs> I would have been totally surprised here. I just looking at where their roster is, um, you know, with you know there was really no room for them at all. So um, that gives them gives them a little more flexibility. I like the Davis trade; just gives them a veteran right in that locker room um, with this group. And Ed Davis is is an expiring contract. So again, yeah. looking ahead to the trade deadline, yeah, he can help for a few months. Think about you know Malik Beasley needing guidance, Anthony Edwards needing guidance. Ed Davis can can help in that regard. I don't know how much he's got left on the court. Utah didn't use him that much last year, but two years ago in Brooklyn. He was used a good amount. Like, I think he can probably help these guys a little bit on the court, but that's another one of those middle contracts. Like Jake Lehman is a middle contract and Ed Davis as an expiring contract could be an appealing trade piece, you know, come a few months from now. Yeah, he was, um, you know, it was, it was really good in Brooklyn and then did not have a great year last year in Utah. He had battled some injuries um, a bit and stuff. So, um, but to get him and move out, um, you know, with, with Spellman and um, Jacob Evans, um, you know, you add a little bit, a little bit of a teeny bit of money there, but um, to have a veteran, you need, you need veterans. Like you just can't have a locker room full of 22 year olds, right? Like and even Kat and D'Angelo, I don't really consider them veterans quite yet, but you need Ricky, you need guys like, um, like guys like, uh, like Ed Davis in there to kind of patrol that. What did you think of the Ricky Rubio acquisition? Um, I was shocked a little bit, um, just because of, well, I, I guess I, I should never be shocked. I mean, I was a little bit surprised as far as, um, you know, especially with the Johnson number going out. Um, I thought that was kind of your big, your trade chip. And then you, you take Ricky back. You got an extra year here, but I think he's, you know, I think he still got some gas left in the tank. I, I certainly did. I thought, I think he, he did in, uh, he did in Phoenix, uh, last year here. I, I'm, I don't get caught up that he's got another year left of, at $17 million and the wolves kind of pumped it, pumped it away for uh, financial flexibility next off season. I'm, I'm, I always say, if you want to create cap space, there's always ways to do it. Right. So don't get caught up just preserving, you know, um, that for the, you know, for the future here. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I was, I was fine with it. Um, you know, it gives you a solid, you can play him with D'Angelo maybe you can maybe have, you know, certainly come off the bench gives you, um, you know, certainly a solid backup. What's your big picture view of, of the wolves. I mean, you're right. They're a little bit below the, the luxury tax line. They probably bring back restricted free agent Jordan McLaughlin. 
They'll yep. probably aim to sign a, a forward to a two-way deal, but but really the, the the big parts of their roster are are in place right now. So what's what's your big picture view as they add Rubio, add Davis, add Anthony Edwards, re-sign Beasley, re-sign Hernan Gomez? Big picture is that um, we're going to need the young kids to produce. I think that's my and I'm not I don't know if I put Anthony quite in there. I want to give the, this rookie class kind of a little bit of a break because they are entering like the land of the unknown here, right? When you go from getting drafted a week ago, we got training camp starting in a week, their head is going to be spinning like crazy here. So, but it's more for, you know, Koji and, and especially Culver, like as much as, as great as Cat is and, and D'Angelo um, and, and some of the, your veterans, you like, you need your draft picks to step up here and produce and play well um, for you to have a chance. So I think it's going to be important. I, I almost put him as kind of the X factor, right? What do we get out of Jared Culver here? Kind of sways the needle a little bit as far as I want to be talking about it on January 15th, be like, man, like shoot the T wolves are, you know, 12 and seven and Culver's playing like out of his mind. Like that's that, you know, that's kind of, you know, that that's, I see as kind of the, the, the X factor, at least for me. Give me another potential X factor, Jared Vanderbilt. So he was yeah. a McDonald's All-American a few years ago, plays the one year at Kentucky, dealt with some injuries, ends up slipping to the second round. He's floated around a bit. He dominated the G League last mm -hmm. year. He spent the entire summer here, spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with, with Ryan Saunders. I think he has a chance to contribute. I was told, Bobby, he has a guarantee contract date of next Saturday. Yeah, it's coming up. To the uniqueness of, of the way his contract is structured versus a guy like Nas Reed or Jalen Noel, where those where those guaranteed dates are are down the road. Yeah, so Jared's got a November twenty eighth um, guarantee date for his uh, it's one point seven million dollars, and um, I, I agree. I saw him in um, the G League showcase out in uh, Vegas. Um, I guess it was a year ago, and he was really impressive. Came in with that foot injury. Um, you know, basically had a red shirt year as fresh as rookie year in, in Denver here, uh, was in the G league a lot, um, this past year, I think he's got a ton of, a ton of up upside here. So you've got to make a, uh, you got to make a decision. I would think they would, you know, one seven, his number is guys like, uh, Nas have a, um, uh, February 25th cut date. It's the February, February, February 25th is the old January 7th <laughs> as far as the uh, that that cut date there. So you have a little more time to to do, uh, you know, to, to basically he's basically on a day to day contract, as I call it, um, where with uh, with Jared, it's you know, you he gets past uh, the 28th. He'll be, uh, you know, his, his contract's fully guaranteed. What about the Anthony Edwards contract? Is it pretty cut and dry for? For the number one overall pick there's not much negotiating here this isn't you know like it's you know how the rookie scale works it's um you know four-year contract first two years are guaranteed um years three and four are team option that have to be um exercised a year before so uh yeah it's not like the old days yeah i don't remember like when jason kidd came in the league and he signed a 10-year 100 million dollar contract or, or glenn robinson or one of these days one of those players it's all scale you know whatever you're picked at is kind of um, you know where where your number is going to be. You can negotiate maybe some advanced money, but um, but yeah, he's all he's set with his number. Can they get a little creative though at pick twenty eight with with Jaden McDaniel's? Well, I mean, it's it is what it is. I mean, I don't 
you know, I think for Ray Hurry, what you can do with the pick though, and 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 um, Cleveland did this with Kevin Porter was that um, you don't have to give the whole 120 percent of the of the salary. So um, you can put it at 100 percent, you know, and and you know maybe have it towards um, off season bonus workouts and do something like that. I like the pick at 28. I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, his big knock is basically, um, you know, he picked up a ton of technicals at Washington, um, body language. Um, how does he re- react when things are not going his way? Um, he is talented though. I mean, he really is. Um, I think he's got, um, a little bit of an advantage because his brother was in his, is in a league and uh, Charlotte and he can kind of, he has been picking his brain a little bit here, but yeah, the McDaniels contract's pretty cut and dry, but you can do some, um, you can add some language in there as far as some off-season stuff. So what's realistic for for Jordan McLaughlin? I mean, I don't think he's getting an offer sheet. I guess somebody could throw him an offer sheet, but but presuming that that he's back, what's what's a realistic contract for McLaughlin? Well, you, they still have um, the full mid level. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to get the full mid level. What you like to do is you can add, you know, what they did with Nas, where instead of a two year deal, maybe if you do a three year deal, you guarantee or partially guarantee this year, and then you maybe have some trigger dates in year two and three. Um, if you don't want to use part of that, then it's, you're basically looking at the, the, at the minimum for him. And I guess what would be the minimum for, for a player with his minimal He's right experience? around one five, right, right around the one five number. Um, so that would, uh, what that would come on. And then you can add, um, I think it goes one five, one seven, one nine. Those are your, um, you know, those are your three years. If you did a three year deal. Do you see a realistic path for, for the wolves to compete for the, for the nine or the 10 seed, the play-in tournament. I mean, the West is is as good as ever. I mean, OKC comes out of the top eight, I think. Maybe Houston does, but yeah. Phoenix jumps up. Golden State, even, even minus Clay, I think, jumps up. Memphis could jump up. San Antonio could jump up. New Orleans could jump up. I guess what's what's realistic for the Wolves? Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think we can take Oklahoma City and we'll, we'll see what happens with um... – Houston with Harden in Westbrook here, but that um, range of, I guess, seven to 14, I mean, it's going to be a knockout, drag them out fight for, I think you have, when you look up top with the Lakers, um, Clippers, Denver, I've went on SportsCenter and I said, I thought Portland on, on paper is the second best team right now, based on what they were able to do. I really, I really liked what they did. Um, and then you still have, um, you know, we'll see what happens with San Antonio and Dallas and, um, you know, New Orleans, as you mentioned, Memphis again. Dallas, I think, is the X factor is Porzingis staying healthy. Utah, um, you know, brings back the same, um, the same group. So um, it's, it's going to be, you know, for any of these teams, it's you basically, you're in a condensed season. Um, you better get off to somewhat of a decent start here. Um, there's going to be a lot of distractions where with COVID and games probably suspended and replayed at a different date. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I never say never as far, especially how we've expanded it. Now we've got the play in now, if I said top eight, you know, get in, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know who's going to get knocked out here, but when you have a, when you expand it like that, I think definitely. Presuming Anthony Davis resigns with the Lakers, Brandon Ingram gets the, the monster extension in new Orleans. What's, What's the next big domino to fall? Like, what storyline are are you paying attention to? Like, for me, this might not be huge, but, like, I'm curious to see where John Collins ends up. Does Atlanta keep him? Do they eventually move him? But 
But is there a particular domino or two that, that you're curious to see how it falls? Well, of course, Giannis, right? I mean, the Giannis Supermax is still out there um, and it will be out there until December 21st when that's the deadline for that. So we'll see, um, we'll see what happens um, with him. Um, it will be interesting if he does commit, does Miami now sign Bam to an extension, a rookie extension and, you know, takes him out of 2021 with, uh, with, that, caps, uh, with that cap space here. But from a free agent picture, it's like, I feel like we're in like the, the end of the second round right now, right? We're just kind of getting to the finish line. We're at like pick 50 here. Not much left. I think guys like Hassan Whiteside is probably one of the better free agents um, out there. You mentioned Ingram likely back to, you know, definitely back to New Orleans here. Um, what's going to harden Westbrook in Houston, right? Uh, who becomes that next disgruntled uh, superstar? Is it Beal in, um, in Washington? Um, you know, I think it's well, what I'll, we'll all watch is kind of where guys are injury wise, uh, when the season gets going, because it's such a short turnaround here. Um, and, and everything is condensed. There are one or two particular draft fits that, that you just love. I mean, we've documented, you know, yeah. plenty that you got to know a lot of these prospects really well, helping them through the, the interview process, prepping them for, for all these virtual interviews they did via zoom with, with teams. Like I'll give you one, Bobby. I mean, you know, selfishly, just being here in the Twin Cities, I know he he didn't want to go as low as he did, but Trey Jones picked yeah. 41 to San Antonio. Coach K and Pop are incredibly tight. You know, knowing the way Pop coaches, the way Trey Jones plays, like I think Trey Jones has a chance to to earn minutes right away for Pop in San Antonio. So I really like that particular fit. Are there any fits that jump out to you? Yeah, no, that's a good one. Just because we all get caught up and guys have to get, you know, first round. I got to be in the first round and – I think we saw in the last couple of days with DeAnthony Melton in Memphis, Javon Carter in, in Phoenix, guys who got pretty good contracts and there were second round picks here. I like, you know, I've been on record as far as the Tyrese Halliburton draft in Sacramento. I really just think it's a good fit for that team culturally. Uh, Devin Vassell from um, Florida State going to San Antonio. I mean, another kid I got the opportunity to work with had two offers coming out of high school, Presbyterian in North Florida. I mean, are you kidding me? And, uh, and it was able to, you know, parlay that into a, an offer with, um, with, uh, with Florida uh, state, you know, Tyrese Maxey going to the Sixers. I like the teams, you know, that were kind of those playoff teams and they can add maybe guys that, um, that certainly have uh, certainly have slipped to them. I mean, I'll give you another one too, Zeke Najee, just because yeah. Denver, Denver does such a good job drafting and developing another local kid. Like, I'm really happy for Zeke. I mean, he's got, like, a guy from, uh, you know, in, in Paul Millsop that, that he can lean on for, for all sorts of advice and mentorship. Like, I really like that fit for Zeke. Yeah, him and R.J. Hampton to Denver. I mean, that's two, two quality players. Um, as you said, they have a track record of player development, certainly with Murray, Jokic, what we've seen, Michael Porter Jr. Um, I do like the fit there because without um, – you lose Jeremy Grant, you lose Mason Plumley, you bring Jermichael Green in, um, you bring Millsap back here that he does have the opportunity to learn from them. On Millsap, the Wolves, I'm told, made an offer. Bobby, what's what's the free agent process like? How crazy is it? How fast do things happen? Like, I, I think half the league at least showed some sort of interest in Millsap. I don't know in total how many actual offers he had, but, but the Timberwolves were hoping to sign Millsap, but hard to beat out going back to Denver. But what what is the free agent process like when everything's happening so fast? This was quick. This was basically, here's the, here's our offer. 
um, basically we'll give you 25 minutes to figure it out. And then we're going to move on. I mean, this, you saw a lot of guys come off the board on, um, you know, the last couple of days, 90% of rosters are filled right now. Um, this was not a market for agents to take that offer and shop it around because what happens is when you come back hours later or the next day that off they teams have moved on from you. Um, so this was a, this was a, a quick, uh, quick turnaround here. I'll leave you with this. Do you have any clarity on, on what the G league season will look like? Will there be a G league season? And you know, when we get some news here, I imagine we'll get some news here one way or another pretty quick. Do you then think the, the exhibit 10 slash two way contract market will, will significantly pick up? Well, yeah, the two ways I think are as valuable as ever right now. Uh, you know, they've increased the protection up to 450, which is half of the minimum salaries. Um, they want you here and they want you in market. Um, so if the Timberwolves on, um, on, uh, uh, I think did, did they have Ashton Hagens? Did they bring him they in? Did. Yeah, the yeah. Kid from Kentucky. Yeah. 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 He's another kid that I got the opportunity to work with too. So, um, those are, those are valuable because they're an extension of your roster. You can be on the active lift. There's that they really have kind of done away with the days limit there. Um, there is a limit, but, um, they're, they're an extension roster spot 16 and 17. And we just don't know what is going to happen with the G league. Teams are signing players to exhibit tens, but the downside is if there's no G League season, you don't get the bonus for for being on an exhibit ten here. So we're in a wait and see mode. You've got that G League select team out in California that's kind of just kind of hanging in the wind. It's hard for me to think that we're going to operate as normal though, and you're going to have you know the Long Island Nets are going to go to play in um, Sioux Falls, and we're going to have teams crisscrossing and fly, flying on planes here and. I don't know what they're going to do. I think a bubble concept is probably expensive. Um, is there, is there a t um, an ownership feel that they, it's worthwhile where you can have those two extra, either your second round pick or another player on your roster for basically an unlimited amount of days? Is Hagen's a good kid? I mean, I was going to let you go, but you brought up that you helped him. I mean, if yeah. he doesn't butt heads with Calipari at Kentucky, I imagine he gets drafted. Yeah, I think what happened at Kentucky was I think he got a little bit burnt out. I think towards the end of the year, I think he, he needed a little bit of a, a I, I say, a mental break. Um, you know, the season was stopped short. Um, I believe he would have been back here. Um, I do think there's a ton of pressure when you're at the University of Kentucky, right? And it just kind of manifests here. And um, I enjoyed my time with him. I didn't I didn't see any you know, crazy, uh, crazy red flags there. Bobby, always appreciate it. Safe travels back to Florida, okay? I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Take care. ESPN's Bobby Marks. We should have some news pretty quick here on the G League front. There is a belief that we'll have some semblance of a season. What exactly it will look like will be interesting. I know Canyon Barry, who was in, in when was that? September, the, the bubble, the mini camp at Mayo Clinic Square. The Wolves had Canyon Barry in for that bubble. He'll be back with the Iowa Wolves. So look for Barry to be back in Iowa. But again, we don't know on Wigginton. Maybe on Wigginton, but I know that he's certainly searching for a different opportunity. Was hopeful for a two-way. The two-way is not happening. All right, let's now transition to Eric Musselman, my good buddy, the head coach at the University of Arkansas. He certainly knows Anthony Edwards' game incredibly well. I talked to Muss last Friday. Muss, let me take you back to, it may not be a place you want to go to, but 
late February, February 29th, the rare February 29th in the calendar. You guys are playing in Athens, Georgia. You guys are are a slight favorite. You were supposed to win that game. It was it was nip and tuck. Then all of a sudden, like in the final, what, 90 seconds or so, Anthony Edwards just goes off. Georgia beat you guys. Just take me back to that night, how special Anthony Edwards was. Well, I thought he was the one guy that we played uh, that just was at another level physically. Um, you know, he had 20, I think he had 26.7 boards, uh, eight free throws attempted and, uh, and made three, three balls. Um, and we were the nation's number one team defending the three and he got good looks because he elevated over us. So a really, really special athlete. Uh, he's been well coached. Coach Tom Crean does an incredible job from a player development perspective. Um, you're, you know, you're talking about a player from a body standpoint that's ready to make an impact immediately in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. When you played him, Mus, he was 18. He didn't turn 19 until August. 6'5", like a legit 230. To me, it looks like there's, there's minimal body fat. Like, you don't see 18-year-olds put together like that. No, he, I mean, he's a special athlete. He's got great strength. He's got the combination of quickness strength, athleticism. And, you know, right out of the gate, you know, he had eight free throws attempted um, in four of his first six college games. And I think that's going to be a big part of his game is drawing free throws attempted. Um, and, you know, he's a pretty good foul shooter at 77%. Um, but I think that free throws attempted in transition, a little bit more open game at the NBA level uh, a 48-minute game as opposed to a compacted 40-minute college game. I think you'll see his productivity even as a, as a rookie. He'll be able to have impact on games. You know what? Expound on that. I mean, you know the NBA game incredibly well. I mean, the NBA game, is it safe to say, is, is better suited for Anthony's style of play than the SEC? Well, I think the SEC as a conference is most resembles NBA play. I think that's why you saw the conference have so many players we had more players out of our conference drafted in the NBA draft than any conference because the athleticism, the length, um, there's a lot of really well-coached teams in our conference. But I do think there are players that game really, really translate to the next level. And, and I think uh, Edwards is one of those guys for sure. Um, you know, we had played at Nevada a few years before. We had played the number one pick um, and – totally different when we played University of Washington and when we played Georgia, at least just from a body standpoint. I felt like Fultz was a good college player, Markel, but Edwards, he was just special. Um, again, Markel Fultz, number one pick a few years ago, good player, solid player, but Edwards, special player. And, there's, and there is a difference. So he made three threes against you. The, the shooting form to me, Mus, looks looks legit. Like, I don't have concerns with, with the way he gets his shot off. But you look at the overall shooting numbers, they're, they're not real encouraging. But, you know, is there something to be said about shot selection that, that a lot of teams were just, you know, clomping on him that at the NBA level he'll have more open looks? He'll get more open looks for sure. And I think, you know, at, at the collegiate level, teams are trying to load up on him. Teams are trying to limit his transition baskets. Um, but again, I thought what, what I was really impressed with was how he elevated over us. 
like we were contesting shots, um, but he just elevated over us and, and, um, and, and they were good in transition. He was really, really effective in transition. Um, nobody wants to take a charge against Anthony Edwards in, in college. I could tell you that. What kind of defender is he? I think he can be a special defender. I think from a, you know, when you think about the fundamentals defensively and footwork defensively, you know, Tom Crean's phenomenal. And so he's got a really, really great base. Um, and then I think that, you know, with Ryan Saunders, I think he'll do a great job um, with him as well. Like Edwards is now he gets turned over from one good coaching staff to another coaching staff. And so that whole development piece becomes really, really important beginning, you know, December 1st when training camp starts. Yeah, I mean, you know Ryan well enough and, and you know, you know his style of play well enough. I mean, you think Anthony specifically here in Minnesota with Ryan coaching him with, with their style of offense is, is a really nice fit? I think it's a great fit. You know, Ryan is, 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 is a young coach who uh, has great relationship and rapport with players. Um, and I think that's really, really important, the trust factor with a younger guy uh, coming in. And, and I think Ryan's got a big enough understanding, you know, not to put too much pressure because he's so young. His upside is incredible. I'll leave you with this, a couple on, on your team. I mean, we get going here on Wednesday. I wasn't sure, Moss, we would get to this point, but it seems like all systems are a go. We will have college basketball on, on Wednesday night. Yeah, and, and there'll be probably some, you know, we still have two more COVID tests to go. Um, we got our results back today from, from yesterday. Everything's, you know, looking good from our own end. But you got to worry about the teams you're playing. Um, and then, like I said, even though it's less than a week away, we still have two more tests that, that we need to get through. And um, there's going to be cancellations, you know, on Wednesday. I don't have any doubt. There's already been some. There'll probably be more. And I think just like we've seen with college football, is you just got to take it game by game. You can't look too far ahead. And you can't get rattled if you're on pause for a short stretch because, um, you know, the, the COVID's just – it's not avoidable. No matter how much you wear a mask, I mean, at some point – you're going to come in contact and, 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 and you're going to have some exposures on your team. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, I mean, you know, coach Izzo, I mean, coach Izzo, I take him at face value when, when he can't figure out how he got the virus that, that he's done everything right. In terms of wearing a mask, social distancing, you name it, must he's done it yet. He tested positive. So that to me speaks of, of how this virus can spread. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, uh, my son got it and he's on staff and he, you know, is, is what he washes his hands literally even before the virus. He's, you know, so clean and neat. And um, I don't know what word to use, maybe even paranoid, even, you know, worried about getting a, a normal cold in a normal uh, calendar year. So I, I think, again, people that, you know, have not been affected or have not had a family member affected or a friend. Um, maybe take it a little bit more light than people that, that know people that have had it and how it can affect people. You know, we had staff members um, have COVID. We had some players and it's, 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 it's not that, that people just don't have symptoms. That's not true. There's, there's a lot of people that, that have been affected in a lot of ways and you can try to do everything you possible, but you, you, you know, you never know who you're going to come in contact because you're not living in a personal bubble. I suppose you have many options when it comes to wearing a mask. I love what you're doing on social media with, you know, whether locally it's the Vikings mask or the wild mask or, 
or you name the professional sports team, like you have all these masks. I do. And, and all the Minnesota teams have been great. I had a twins, Vikings, wild and T-Wolves. So um, I'm, I've, I've covered the state of Minnesota with their uh, pro sports teams, but yeah, we started to have fun just to try to, you know, number one, I wanted to encourage our own players to wear masks. So I thought what better way to catch their attention than to, to walk down to the practice facility every day. And they're kind of making fun of me and waiting to see what, you know, yesterday it was Oklahoma city thunder today. It's going to be LA sparks of the WNBA. Um, and then just, in, you know, in our own campus community to try to encourage masks as well. I'll leave you with this. So you had one guy drafted another guy that was, that was highly sought after, after, after the draft. Yes. Uh, Isaiah Joe went to Philly. Um, in the second round, and, and we were happy for Isaiah. He's one of the best shooters in the draft. And then Mason Jones, who put up incredible numbers, SEC co-player of the year, uh, went undrafted. And, and now uh, Mason has signed a contract with the Houston Rockets. And then we have a third player, Jimmy Witt, uh, who we're hopeful will get an Exhibit 10 contract or a two-way deal uh, here in the next coming weeks. I mean, on Jones, does that just speak to just how hard it is to get drafted. I mean, I think about the kid from Marquette doesn't get drafted, the kid from Seton Hall. Like a lot of good players didn't get drafted. No, I mean, you think about, you know, even a guy like Ashton Hagens. I mean, he's, you know, in my opinion, a guy that's got the ability to potentially be a third point guard on an NBA roster. He's got uh, an identity of being a great defender. He played in, an, you know, for an awesome coach and Coach Cal. You're talking about a player. 38th in the NCAA in steals. He can pick up full court, be disruptive in the backcourt defensively. And he's a guy that's really proven with his 6.4 assists that he's a willing share. That was 16th in the country. Uh, it's hard to get drafted, Doogie, for sure. Like college players don't understand how difficult it truly is uh, to become an NBA draft pick. And then just because you get drafted, in the second round, that you still got to put in the work, man. Like, it's not easy as a second rounder, I can tell you that. Moss, always appreciate it. I could talk to you all afternoon, but, but you, got, you got enough stuff going on with, with the game on Wednesday. Hopefully everything goes okay with these, with these remaining COVID tests and you guys are on the court on Wednesday. Darren, thanks, Doogie. Appreciate it. My main man, Eric Musselman, the men's basketball coach, at Arkansas. So the Wolves wrap up a two-way deal with Haggins, but also post-draft, they had interest in the Kansas guard, Dotson, another great player that wasn't drafted, but he ended up with Chicago. Things moved fast. Also, the guard from the University of Houston, Hinton. So the Wolves had interest in him, but he had a deal arranged with Dallas. Snap of the fingers. Freddie Gillespie, Eastridge High School, Carlton Baylor. He doesn't get drafted. He ends up agreeing to a deal with the Dallas Mavericks. All right, let's now transition to somebody who knows Anthony Edwards, the person, incredibly well. He played his high school basketball at Creighton, Dara Mahal, Donnell Gresham Jr. He turned down an opportunity to play for the Gophers last year as a grad transfer, ended up playing at Georgia, started a bunch of games, so he was in the starting lineup with Anthony Edwards. He was with Edwards on draft day, spent the day with Anthony Edwards, was at the Edwards draft party. That just tells you how close Gresham is with Anthony Edwards. Donnell is nicknamed Red. Here is my conversation with Red, Donnell Gresham Jr., talking about his really good friend, Anthony Edwards. Red, take me through. Let's go back to Wednesday night. You know, the Timberwolves, the team that, that plays here in your hometown, they're on the clock. 
They make the selection. They choose somebody you're very close with, one of your good friends and Anthony Edwards. Just take me back to Wednesday night and your emotions when when you heard the news. Um, yeah, I was very proud of him. Um, I was happy um, for him, not necessarily because he went to the Timberwolves, but just, you know, his dream coming true. And I actually got to spend the day and the days leading up to the draft with him um, and was at the house with him as well. So just seeing him and his family being very happy, it, it was it was a good sight and good see. So you were down, Red. You were down where in in the Atlanta area, and you were able to bond with him those those days leading up to Wednesday and spend Wednesday night with him. Yes, yes, yes. And currently still down here um, as well. Actually, I came down to Athens, um, where your University of Georgia is, to see some of my old teammates and you know spend a day with them. So I'll be doing that today, and then going back to Atlanta. So I mean, the bond between you and Anthony, I mean, clearly, Red, it must be pretty darn strong because. I'm guessing he didn't have hundreds upon hundreds of people at his draft party. So the fact that, that you were there, just speak to, to that bond that you and Anthony have. I guess we have, we have a good relationship and uh, plan to have our relationship continue to grow, um, especially now that he'll be in Minnesota. Um, just crazy how things kind of happen. But yeah, our, our relationship is strong for sure. Is Anthony Red a better person or a better basketball player? I mean, I feel like that's a hard question. He, he's, he's a great person and a great basketball player. So, um, you know, those kind of go hand in hand. Uh, but he's, he's definitely a great person off the court um, and a fun guy to be around. And how about on the court? Just take us through what, what sort of player are the Timberwolves getting? Uh, a player that works hard um, all the time. He can do pretty much anything he wants on the court. His shooting continues to improve. Um, can you hear me? I still have you, yeah. His shooting continued to improve. Um, you know, his athleticism is is off the charts, um, as everybody can see. And he's a very good playmaker, a very good passer. So he, he can do anything he wants, and he will continue to get better during his time. On the passing part, I mean, mm -hmm. he's not a selfish player, right? Like, he, he wanted to involve you and, and your other Bulldog teammates, right? Yeah, definitely. He likes seeing his teammates, you know, be successful. So that, that was a good thing to have um, for a person of his caliber. He was excited when other guys would make plays and, and do things well on the court. He was the first one cheering and jumping up and, you know, happy for the for us as his teammates. What kind of defensive player is Anthony? Uh, he, he's a good defensive player. Um, obviously, he's still developing on the defensive side, but he has all the tools and he's smart. So he, at the next level, he'll be able to pick up anything they ask him to do. How do you think he'll adjust to being here in Minnesota? He's never been here. Like, how important will it be for you and others, you know, his his support mm -hmm. system to be in place to be able to help him make the transition here? Um, I think it'll be important for, you know, the people around him to support him and kind of keep him on the right path. And I try to tell him Minnesota's cold, but it's, it's a good place um, overall. And from my experience, I never had, you know, too many bad experiences in Minnesota. So I tell him is he'll, he'll be he'll grow on Minnesota um, as his time progresses. Well, on that, right. I mean, what are your plans over the next year or two? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm saying that, that you may be here, but I don't know. Like you may mm -hmm. not be here in Minnesota, right? Yeah, I mean, my plan is if whatever kind he needs, um, if he asks me to help him, um, definitely willing to help him. I currently live in Minnesota, so that's where I'll be for the time being. And I got my real estate license in Minnesota, so if he needs me to help in that area or anything else, you know, I'll be able to assist him. 
will you still chase basketball? Like if, if, if there's a pro basketball opportunity overseas, are you open-minded to that? Um, I'm open-minded, um, but not as much as I was before, you know, before COVID and things like that. So just trying to take um, everything to perspective and figure out the best decisions moving forward with the pandemic in place. I'm talking to Coach Musselman, somebody I've known for, for years and a little bit. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that game in late February? It was in Athens. You guys yeah. playing Arkansas. It was a tight game. Yeah. And, and I just I read the recap a little bit ago. And Anthony just went off at the very end. Mm -hmm. You guys end up winning by 10. Anthony's yeah. line score was was off the charts that day. Do yeah. you remember that game in particular? Yeah, I remember, you know, parts of that game. I remember us as a team coming out strong against them. They uh, came back. Anthony made some great plays at the beginning and at the end of the game, you know, obviously throughout the game as well. But the ending plays kind of stuck out to me in particular. Um, so, yes, I remember that game for sure. I mean, does he have that killer instinct? Does, does he embrace those opportunities, those clutch situations where he wants the ball in his hands? Yes, definitely. Um, I think the key uh, example of that was – when we went down to Maui and played, I believe their name is Chaminade. Um, and he kind of is a tie game and he wanted the last shot and he, he made sure he, he took the last shot and, you know, he made it. So he definitely has a killer instinct. Um, he always wants those last second shots and, you know, put the team on his back, as people would say. The shooting form looks good, Red, but the numbers mm -hmm. were off. But But was it because defenses were – we're crowding him oftentimes that, that the spacing wasn't there with you guys last year, that maybe there's something to be said about he'll have more space in the NBA game. Mm -hmm. He'll be able to have more opportunities to get to the basket, get to the free throw line, and, and he'll certainly get more open looks. Yes. I, I think that, um, you know, NBA is definitely a lot more space. Um, I think his game is more for the NBA. So college sometimes was a little compacted and, you know, every college focused on him um, and kind of make sure to try to contain him. So I think, yes, um, as he continues to grow, his, you'll see his skills will show even more in the NBA setting. I'll leave you with this. What, what else should we know as, as we tell the story here, as, as we start to get to know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. probably for a while, virtually, not, not necessarily in person, but as we start to right, get to right. know Anthony, what, what else would be important for us to know? I mean, I would say just know that, you know, he's a, he's a great kid. Um, he's a person that, you know, perseveres and keeps working all the time. Um, and he loves to smile, you know, play video games and things like that. So just, you know, he's a, he's a good kid and, you know, fun guy to be around. Red, thank you so much. Safe travels back here whenever, whenever you venture back here to Minnesota. Thank you. And enjoy the day there in Athens. Thank you. Appreciate it. St. Paul native played at Creighton Durham Hall High School. Donnell Gresham Jr. was a teammate of Anthony Edwards last year at Georgia. Let's now transition to Jason Phillippe. He works for Babcock Hoops, former international scout for the Detroit Pistons and Portland Trailblazers. A forgotten move from the last few days was Leandro Balmaro being acquired by the Wolves on draft night. He'll stay over in Barcelona for a year, but he could come maybe as soon as the 2021-2022 season. So I wanted to get to know about Bolmaro. So I picked the brain of Jason Philippi the night of the draft, late the night of the draft. It was actually 5 a.m. in Italy where he is based. He has seen Bolmaro in person at least five times. 
Jason, you're joining us at right before 5 a.m. Italy time. Thank you for your time. Let me start with who the Wolves got at pick 23. They make a transaction, a trade with, with New York, giving up picks 25 and 33 for pick 23. They get Leandro Balmaro. You know his game well. Tell us, educate us about Leandro. Uh, Leandro is uh, kind of a, I always label it as a sleeper pick. I'll be honest with you, one year ago, I would not have considered him a first rounder. I considered him, you know, a second round guy. He was with that part of that glut of, you know, dozens of second round guys that, you know, um, need to separate themselves from the others. And that is what he did. Um, he came in, you know, last year, he was more of just, you know, a generic wing player it was interesting because he played hard because he was versatile. He has good ball skills, but this past uh, year and a half, he took a huge leap in the sense that he started to handle the ball more and really showed legitimate playmaking skills. Uh, I'll be honest. I think he's more of a combo guard than a straight point guard for the NBA, but nonetheless, a year and a half ago, I just saw him as a two, three with decent ball skills, whereas now He's definitely at least a combo guard, if not a straight point guard. Uh, like I said, you know, his ability to handle and create off the dribble has always uh, has always impressed me. You know, this season, this season, he's raised his stock even more. Um, had he played this much at the pro level one year ago, he would have been already considered, you know, a first round prospect, but. Going into this summer, like I said, Minnesota may have lucked out that, you know, the, the draft got delayed and all because they got a chance to see Bomaro a little more in the start of the season with the Barcelona team. Uh, they saw him, like I said, get maybe not big minutes, but regular minutes, regular rotation minutes. He even started a couple games. You know, obviously a team like Barcelona has a very deep rotation. Uh, they play two or three games a week. Uh, so they, you know, sometimes they may rest their veterans, uh, giving uh, Leandro uh, a chance, you know, to get more minutes uh, than he would usually. Uh, the fact that he's learning from an all-time great European uh, point guard, uh, Sarunas Jessicevichus, is another thing to not be underestimated. You know, I know from my sources that when Jessicevichus took over this summer, that he was immediately said, Leandro is a straight point guard in my system. Whether he was right or wrong, that's the position that he wanted to play him at. And that is the, position, the only position that he's been playing him at thus far um, this season. Uh, like I said, another thing about Bolomaro, like I said, he's an intangibles guy. He's an intangibles guy. Like one year ago, a year ago, it was hard to evaluate him because at the pro level, he played very little. But I'll say this, every time he got minutes on the court, whether it was actually, whether it was just garbage time or actually, you know, some real minutes to give, you know, a starter breather, he'd always do something interesting, but something that wouldn't show up in the stat seat. It would have been maybe diving to the floor for a loose ball, taking a charge, you know, just making a great, making that extra pass. Like I said, stuff that wouldn't show up necessarily in a stat sheet, but he always did something positive in the limited minutes he had on the court. And obviously having him seen that also with their satellite uh, minor league team uh, where he did look to score more. Like I said, you saw something, the ability to create off the dribble. Um, and like I said, he needs to improve his jump shot, uh, needs to improve his three-point shot. But that is the only thing that will keep him from being, you know, a solid uh, NBA player in my modest opinion. Educate me, educate us, Jason. So 
So he's playing right now for, for a team in Barcelona. That season started, how long ago did it start? Was it a, a few weeks ago, a few months ago? And I mean, is the idea that will he play there the rest yeah, of this well, year? I mean, will he wait to come over here? I, like I said, anything could happen. My understanding, my understanding from based on my sources is that he is going to finish off the season in Europe. So he's a default stash guy. Um, I'm sure that, you know, the, the Minnesota, the Timberwolves knew that, knew that going into this. Um, he does, he, he extended his contract this summer, you know, July, August. Um, and like I said, he does have buyouts in place, but I, I believe the buyout is more expensive if he wanted to exercise it, had he wanted to exercise it, you know, at the beginning of this season or, even mid-season. That's why I'm pretty sure that he's going to stay and finish the season in Europe because it would not be convenient for him either. You know, he's getting good playing time. He's getting, you know, a chance to learn from a great point guard who also had a big experience. And like I said, you know, his buyout will drop. It's in the, it's in the million, million and a half range now, but it'll become almost half of that. It'll become whatever the standard NBA uh, buyout maximum is, which is usually in the 800, 850 range, but it'll be considerably less next season. So yes, I would be surprised if he did not finish the season in Europe. Jason, was a move like this, whether it was Bomaro or some other overseas prospect, was it almost inevitable when you look at the Timberwolves front office with Gerson Rosas, with with John Luca, whose whose last name, if I try to pronounce it, you know it. But if I try to pronounce it, I'll I'll botch it. There's such an international flavor, right? Suchin Gupta. There's just there's such an international flavor in that Wolves front office since Gerson came in. You know, you can speak to this better than I can, Jason. But but I know they've increased their their scouting over in Europe. So I wonder if a move like this, whether Bomaro or somebody else, it was almost inevitable. Yeah, it makes sense, you know, considering number one, that, you know, they had multiple picks, that at least one of their picks would be an international guy. It's almost inevitable when you think about it. And then, like I said, I'm not surprised, you know, uh, there's when certain teams pick, you know, I don't want to badmouth any, any teams, but you do have that feeling that some teams are a little more. I'm not saying I won't say better prepared. That would be offensive because everybody works hard, but just some teams are more open to, you know, thinking long term and drafting European guys with the, you know, the option of, you know, stashing them in Europe for at least, uh, at least one year. So yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, the Timberwolves kind of have that, uh, that type of culture. Like I said, it's, you know, not, not all teams do, and that's not necessarily a fault. That's the way it is. But, uh, you know, definitely the right the right situation. How many times have you seen Balmaro in person, Jason? And what sort of defensive player is he? Well, uh, I've seen him, you know, uh, five or six times in the last two years. Um, like I said, number one, he plays hard. That's something you can't teach. He's got that stereotypical toughness of the Argentinian uh, players. You know, I mean, not in the best way possible. Um, like I said, above all, he plays hard. You know, and like I said, he may, he, he has to prove himself, you know, as far as guarding, you know, small um, at the NBA, NBA level, but in Europe, thus far, he's done, he's done quite well. Obviously he can guard, you know, multiple positions in the sense that he was, you know, originally more of a two, three, so he can guard wing, the wing spot, you know, the positions two and three. And in Europe, he does a decent job, though, pressuring the ball too, 
obviously that is a question mark for the NBA. But remember, he is at least, he is six seven, uh, if not more. He's got you know uh, decent length. Like I said, that that helps that helps a lot. And like I said, he's so intense. He plays so hard. I think that worst case scenario, he at least stays in front of his man. You know, like I said, will it be a full court press guy? Perhaps not. But he's a guy that you know, in my opinion, should be able to adjust. Uh, defensively, both to a bigger and smaller perimeter uh, player. We were talking before I hit record, and you know about Jaden McDaniel's name. I mean, Jason, I had heard if the Wolves had stayed at pick 17 that he was in high consideration there. So for them to get him at pick 28, that to me is incredible value. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Like I said, you know, I didn't see much of uh, Jaden live, but I have seen him live. I saw him actually at some, you know, high school events, actually. I was very intrigued by him because I know it may be blasphemous and it's only wishful thinking, but with that super long, lanky frame that he has, he actually gave me this uh, Kevin Durant vibe. Like I said, mostly because of the body type, but, you know, he is... Uh, a, he is a, he is a, like I said, a finesse player. He's a, you know, a very skilled player. Obviously he's not the incredible shooter that Katie is, but like I said, he has some characteristics that go beyond the physical resemblance in my opinion. Just the fact that he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, faces up and puts the ball on deck and can pull up from jump shots and everything. So like I said, it's at the end of the first round, it's a great pick in my opinion. Jason, Two thank you. I could talk to you all night. I'll let you maybe get to bed at some point and I'll let you get back to the draft. Okay. Okay. Thank you. It was uh, my pleasure, and uh, we'll talk again in the future. I appreciate Jason joining me as the draft was still going on late last Wednesday for him. It was nearly 5 a.m. in Italy. Jason used to be a scout for the Pistons and Blazers, currently works for Babcock Hoops. We'll wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 323 with my conversation from earlier today with Ade Murky, played in high school at St. Croix Lutheran, was a really good player at the University of Denver, one of the best players in the Summit League last year. He has agreed to a deal with the Timberwolves. It's an Exhibit 10. What it means is he'll end up spending the season with the Iowa Wolves, but hey, they're happy to have him. He had a good interview with them going back a handful of weeks. He'll have a chance to impress the Wolves in Iowa. I caught up with a day earlier today. A day, just take me through your emotions that you are now a professional. You will be joining the Timberwolves organization. When I first found out, uh, I was excited, you know, just because I was like, my, my, my dreams are slowly becoming reality. But Honestly, I feel like I had a lot more work to do, so I wasn't I wasn't over over enthusiastic about things. Uh, I feel like I, I kind of stayed pretty mellow about it. Uh, went to, went to the gym the next day. Really didn't celebrate a whole lot. Uh, so yeah, I, I felt good, but I you know what I mean. Uh, sorry, I felt good, but what uh, wasn't wasn't all too too high. You know, it expound on that that this is just the beginning of what you hope is is a really long journey. Like when, when writing the, the final book on, on your career, like this is just maybe, you know, a sentence or two that there's so much more to take place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah you said, you said it exactly right. Uh, I feel like honestly, these are the first couple pages of my, of my book. Uh, I feel like my, my foot's finally in the door, which is what I asked for. You know, uh, I prayed on this a lot over the, over the past couple of weeks, past months, my whole life, actually, I, I prayed on it a lot. Uh, so God's, he answered my prayers and he's given me the opportunity. So my foot's in the door. Uh, like you said, these are, these are just uh, the first couple pages 
in my book, and hopefully I got a lot of chapters, and it's, it's going to be a long read. How cool is it that it's the hometown Timberwolves? No, that, that's probably the most amazing part about it. Um, growing up, I've been slept on my whole life. Uh, been slept on my whole life, so it kind of feels good to get recognized by, like, you know, the top dogs, uh, Minnesota. And every, everyone dreams just being in an opportunity that I'm in. Um, so it feels good to finally uh, see that my worth is, is finally getting there, that the work that I put in my whole life is, is finally being able to uh, – put on that, that showcase. On that work that you've put in, like what sort of, you know, like quantifiable gains have you made the last handful of months? I mean, it's been a long, long pre-draft process. You've spent a yeah. lot of time in the gym. You've spent a lot of time in the weight room. Can yeah. you quantify just, you know, whether it's, you know, you're this much stronger, your vertical is that much better. Are there certain things that you can quantify to say I've improved? Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I, I went to my high school every morning at 6 a.m. Uh, for like the past four months. Uh, I didn't have a trainer until this past uh, this past month, so I was doing everything by myself, uh, pretty much getting out the mud, uh, which I which I've been used to. Um, so I, I would for sure say my jump shot I feel is a lot better, uh, a lot more smooth, a lot more fluid. Um, so I'm really confident with that, and I also feel like I'm getting just stronger. My vertical uh, is getting higher. I feel more athletic which I think could be a scary thing for a lot of people. Describe the kind of player you are. I mean, there are going to be people that, that watch this a day, that, that are listening to this, that, that don't know your game, but, but they yeah. are Timberwolves fans. They're Iowa Timberwolves fans that, that they're going to start to get to know you. So describe yeah. your game to them. Um, I think I'm an athletic slasher uh, who can space the floor with his shooting ability. Um, I, didn't, I didn't shoot a, a lot of volume at Denver. I think I shot maybe three per game. But the ones I did shoot, I made. Uh, so that, I think that itself shows I can't shoot the ball. I think I can uh, guard one through three, you know, even four, depending on who's on the court. Uh, so I think I'm, I'm a person I could do it all. Uh, guard, defend, shoot, rebound, score, uh, pretty much everything. All around what's game. The, what's the timeline here? So will you continue to train here for a few days, enjoy Thanksgiving, maybe with the family, and then will things ramp up like the day after Thanksgiving? Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm supposed to be getting, like, my COVID testing uh, again this weekend on Saturday, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, um, everything's pretty much going to stay the same. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here every every morning at my high school, uh, just continue to get that work in. Uh, and then I think training camp starts December 1st, so that day is when things are going to start, start ramping up. You say your high school. I actually grew up not that far from St. Croix Lutheran. How cool mm -hmm. is it for – for the St. Croix Lutheran community to have to have a professional athlete? Man, it, it feels amazing. Uh, this, this is what I dreamed of ever since I was a little kid. Uh, going, going, to a, going to a small two-way school, when it was two-way, now it's three-way, uh, I got a lot of criticism, you know? Like, why do you go to such a small school? You should transfer to a bigger school. But, you know, uh, I, 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 stay, I, stayed, I stayed my roots. Um, I, I continued to put that work in, didn't listen to anybody. Uh, so it feels good to be one of the first players, or actually, I think I am the first player to uh, hopefully make an NBA roster and just be, be in the position I'm in. So it feels amazing, honestly. Can you explain to us what exactly an Exhibit 10 contract is? So that's the contract you signed. What exactly does that mean? Uh, so it means um, I'm for sure, I'm pretty, I'm, don't quote me, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that means I'm for sure in the G League. Uh, so I'm going to training camp. 
and then basically trying to either work, earn a, a, a two-way spot, two-way roster spot, or if I play well enough, just earn an official spot itself. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, the plan will be, although, do we have clarity? Like, what do you know about the G League? Has has the G League announced that, that there for sure will be a season? I, I haven't heard too much about it, honestly. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there will be one. Uh, I think it's in January, but I'm not too sure. But I, I think there's going to be one. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Have you had a chance to talk to the Iowa Wolves coach yet, Sam Newman-Beck? I mean, what do you know about the Iowa Wolves? Uh, I talked to him, I think, it's been two or three times. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a really good guy, a great guy. Uh, he's, he's excited about things. Um, I'm not really too familiar with the Iowa Wolves, uh, but I'm going to do my research on them uh, probably tonight. I did a little bit on it, a little bit on them the uh, past couple of days, but haven't really dug that deep into things. Uh, my main focus is trying to make that roster spot. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to settle. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to play with the top dogs because uh, that's where I believe I should be at. Are you assured a spot in training camp? So how does that work? Like, will you be in training camp at Mayo yeah. Clinic Square? Yeah, I will be. So, I mean, that's all you want, right? You want that opportunity. You'll exactly. have a chance to shine in front of in front of the entire staff. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's what I pray for, you know. Like I said, God, he's, he's been answering my prayers. Uh, like I said, I have my foot in that door. And that's, for someone like me, uh, that's all I need. If, if, if you give me that little bit of room, that, that, little, that little edge, I'm going to make the most of it. So, yeah, I'm excited just to get this, get this opportunity. How cool was last week just for, for Minnesota basketball as a whole? We think about the great news with you. Freddie Gillespie signs with, with Dallas. Tyrell Terry, Trey Jones, Zeke Naji, Daniel Oturu get drafted. Yeah. Sakar Annam should have a chance somewhere here eventually. That, that yeah. Just think about how cool this has been for, for Minnesota basketball. No, yeah, uh, it's amazing. Uh, all the guys you listed, uh, those, those are all amazing players, and I, I know they're going to do well. Um, Minnesota basketball has slept on for, for a long time, uh, and I feel like we're, we're finally showcasing – we're not even finally showcasing. The world is finally noticing Minnesota as a whole. Uh, like, Minnesota has some dogs, some great players that no one, that no one has seen. Uh, so it, it's, that's an amazing group of guys right there, and I'm just happy to, you know, be in that conversation with those people. Dan, there are many stories of guys that, that don't get drafted that, that end up just fine. Fred Van Vliet just signed a four-year, $85 million contract. Duncan Robinson. I can go up and down the list. I mean, there, yeah. are, there are a number of examples. With the Timberwolves, right, last year, Nas Reed doesn't get drafted, ends up playing pretty good minutes for the Wolves. I mean, yeah. are there examples that you can point to and say, okay, not a big deal that I didn't get drafted, that there is a path to the NBA? Yeah, uh, that, that Fred Van Bleep uh, story right there itself, um, that's, when I, that's the one I, I look at the most. Um, being undrafted, uh, he, he's a dog. Uh, he, 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 never, he never stopped believing in himself, even if other people did. Uh, and that's kind of how I want things to be for me. Um, I, I just want to be able to uh, be, be living proof that you don't have to go high major. You don't have to uh, be a five-star. You don't have to have these top-notch trainers uh, to, to get to where you want to be. Uh, it just takes hard work. And I, I think right now uh, I'm starting to be a living testimony to that, you know, being, being unranked, uh, nationally unranked, barely being ranked in the state, you know, not having top trainers my whole life. Honestly, I've, I've got out the mud my whole life. So it's, I, I want to be one of those testimonies to show, like a Damian Lillard, uh, like a C.J. McCollum, that you, you don't have to 
go to Duke. You don't have to go to, you know, Kentucky to get your end goal. It just takes hard work. And, I mean, the hard work is is apparent. I mean, you're sweating right now. What time <laughs> were you in the gym this morning? So we're talking at yeah. 11.15 on Monday morning. Like, have you been grinding for multiple hours already? Yeah, I got. I woke up at 5.20 this morning. I got here at 6. Uh, got some ball handling in, some shooting, uh, some conditioning, some weights. So I, I've been up early. And, I mean, are you done for the day, or do you take a little break and then grind in the afternoon? Yeah, so I'm about to go take an ice bath right now just to – uh, relax, and then I'll probably go back to the gym around 5 o'clock tonight, whatever time it may be, uh, to get some more shots up, prepare for training camp. Who's helping you train right now? So you said for, for the longest time you didn't have a trainer. Who's now training you? Uh, well, I started working with Hoops in Christ with Chauncey. Uh, so I, I was working with them for the maybe past three, four months, but everything's shutting back down again, so I'm going back dolo. Going Chauncey's back great, too, but yeah, it's just, it's it's a crazy, crazy time, but but soon enough, you'll you'll at least be in that in that Mayo Clinic Square bubble. Mm-hmm. You'll have plenty of people to lean on for advice once you get there. No, oh, yeah, exactly. And I'm gonna I'm gonna soak it in. Uh, like you know, you got them stars, D'Angelo Russell. You got uh, Carl Anthony Towns. You got uh, Malik Beasley, who just signed a, I think a sixty million dollar deal. You got you know what I mean. You got stars over there. So I'm gonna soak it all up. Try to learn as much as I possibly can from those those older guys who are who have like solidified spots. So so yeah. This was fun today. All the best. Enjoy it, but kick some serious tail. We'll be rooting for you. For sure. Thank you so much. Easy kid to root for. A day murky former St. Croix Lutheran high school star, University of Denver, Twin Cities native. All right, we are done. This was a lengthy podcast. Hopefully you have some time to digest it all. You can always use the fast forward button. Maybe you fast forward just to the murky conversation. Now you're hearing this. I just figured a lot of people are off later part of this week, even if you're not traveling for Thanksgiving. A lot of people are off Thursday, Friday into the weekend. So I figured I would just unleash all these interviews I've done the last few days. So appreciate you bearing with me on this lengthy podcast. We are done. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Stay safe. Stay sane. Scoop Podcast episode 323 is in the books.